Hi, I'm Rob Vilnev, CEO of Rebel.com and Startup Canada Fellow for Culture and Engagement. Think of your internal culture and external brand as reflections of each other. A strong brand is based on a strong culture and vice versa. When you have a really strong culture, it reaches everyone who interacts with you, your team, and your product. Your customers will feel it. The nugget here, when the lines between culture and brand start to blur, you know you're on the right track because it likely means you've created a culture that's worth sharing. Are you ready to plan for the future? Build the financial foundations for your business with Intuit QuickBooks Startup Foundations. Enroll in the online Startup Foundations workshop and receive a free one-year subscription to Intuit QuickBooks Online. Visit bit.ly forward slash startup foundations. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash startup foundations today to register for free. Learn how to get the most of your payments through simple, safe, and smart card transactions. Visit MasterYourCard.org forward slash Canada for tips to master small business security. Master your card with MasterCard Canada. Rogers Small Business Centers are located coast to coast inside their retail stores. Small business owners and entrepreneurs can book appointments free of charge with a small business specialist to receive one-on-one expert advice on Rogers products and services. Rogers Small Business Centers offer free events where business owners gain valuable insights from experts and the opportunity to network with peers. To find out more about dates and speakers in your area or to register for an event, please visit rogersbusinesscenters.com. Scotiabank understands what's involved when businesses first open their doors and the support that's needed to keep them open. They are helping customers respond to the speed of business, making it easier for entrepreneurs to open their accounts and apply for business loans online in minutes. To learn more, visit scotiabank.com forward slash small business. Disruption, investment, work-life balance. Delving deep on the topics that matter most for entrepreneurs. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. Welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across the country. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, don't forget to visit the iTunes store to subscribe and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I am your host, Rivers Corbett, founder and CEO of Coaching by Rockstars. Ever thought about a career as a business coach? Coaching by Rockstars teaches business coaches how to build a successful coaching business from scratch. Visit coachingbyrockstars.com for more information. I am so excited to have as my guest today, Ashkan Karbash Frujan on the show. He's our special guest and he's the founder and CEO and editor-in-chief of WatchMojo.com. WatchMojo has a catalog of over 10,000 videos on pulp culture and infotainment and is watched 300 million times each month by nearly 50 million consumers. Aside from being the CEO of such a successful YouTube channel, Ash is also an author. And this is, I love the title. It's freaking awesome. He wrote the book, 10 Year Overnight Success, an entrepreneur's manifesto, kind of like a, a Jerry Maguire deal, I'm sure. Ash, <laughs> Ash also joined the Startup Canada team for the Creative Canadian National Dialogue last year, where more than 1,000 Canadian artists content creators, cultural entrepreneurs, and leaders 
within the innovation, entrepreneurship, academic communities shared their vision for a more creative and entrepreneurial Canada. Ash will talk with us today about starting up your own company, of course, and how to remain successful in business with the ever-changing digital landscape. And of course, we're going to talk about his book. And of course, we're going to talk about his YouTube phenomenal, all that crazy stuff. Ash, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Well, first of all, what's the most interesting thing that you did in the past 48 hours, besides wait for me to call in, that wasn't related to work? Probably returning a tuxedo, which I rented for an event in Monte Carlo, Monaco. Um, mm. If not that, then, then getting over the jet lag. So yeah, no, we were invited by the Laureus World Sports Awards to come and attend and cover. It's basically a um, annual award show that you know rewards the top sportsmen, sportswomen, comeback story, and team of the year amongst other awards. And it was cool. It was cool to get out in Monte Carlo, Monaco, um, which isn't first that time warm. you were there. Yeah, first time I'm there, and it was interesting to be there. And then I hopped by London on the way back for work. I had to. Um, but it's just good. It's good because, you know, I think the internet allows you to um, think that you can just sit at your desk and you have this boundaryless opportunity to go out and build a business that is global in nature. And you can absolutely do that. But yes. you really do need to, you know, get out there, meet people. And being somewhere like Monte Carlo and London, um, you just see that there's so much more opportunity out there. And you really, really have to open your blinders. So yeah. the, the, the tuxedo was more symbolic of just how much more there's out there in the world. Did you wear a wild bow tie or did you go no, with the standard did. black? I, I generally, like when I'm in Montreal and I'm invited to a black uh, tie affair, I will wear like a dark black suit and like a black tie. But this time, you know, his serene highness, uh, <laughs> King Albert II uh, was, you know, doing his thing. So I was like, no, if there's ever a time I'm going to wear a bow tie, it's probably today. So, so I went with a bow tie. Uh, how'd it feel? Felt amazing. It was a, <laughs> it was a well, you know, well-suited, well-tailored uh tuxedo what can i say uh, yeah it's great stuff well it's a that's a very cool thing to finish it and actually an interesting question that i would think that you know our audience i would like to kind of throw the question out to our audience right now and obviously we're not going to have people call in but what was the most amazing what most interesting thing you did in the last 48 hours and if you don't have an answer to that 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 others would think is cool. I want you to challenge yourself for the next 48 hours to find something really interesting. Just like, uh, well, actually not just like Ash. I'd like you to try to beat what he did in the 48 hours. Watch Mojo was one of the most successful YouTube channels on the internet. What was it that inspired you to start up the videos? I mean, truth be told, I've always been a storyteller at heart. And uh, even though I studied finance and earned a bachelor's degree in business, I was drawn into startups and I was drawn into, uh, you know, media companies. And really, I noticed I really loved the content business. I, you know, I was always a heavy reader of magazines and short articles. Um, and so for me, the internet provided this opportunity to write and be judged based on each sentence and article as opposed to, you know, getting into publishing or getting published because of some connection. And I'm not saying that's what everyone, you know, gets as a break. But so that's really what I was drawn to get into the content business. And then I worked from 2000 to 2005 at an online magazine called Ask Men, which was um, subsequently acquired by San Francisco-based IGN, who itself was acquired by News Corp. So when that ride ended, I kind of looked around. I said, you know, I'm, at that time I was 27. I'd just been married, no kids. And I said, it's a good time as ever to start a business. I was kind of a reluctant entrepreneur, but I just felt that would be a good opportunity. And then, uh, you know, video was the big thing at that moment. Mm -hmm. And I ventured into video. And the, the origin really was to, um, you know, the, the vision was to inform and entertain through video with a video on every topic. And so we start to produce videos and there was literally a bit of everything. And yeah, so and it just took I, off. I want to just kind of dig into that if I could. A video on everything, kind of kind of like the uh, the the opposite of the Seinfeld show. Um, <laughs> how do you decide 
what's the next everything that you're going to focus in on? Do people submit to you? Do you, you know, you, the, you, you're the man on Olympus that says, this is what we're going to do today. How's that all work? That process? Well, no, it wasn't that kind of like, uh, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down. One man decides. <laughs> it was, it, it was a method to the madness. I mean, for one, you know, I, I always believe like you start with a foundation and then you add layers and then windows and roofs and whatnot. So for us, if you have an editorial calendar, like if let's say you were to venture, uh, launch your venture in October, plausibly you'd say, oh, Halloween is around the corner. You could do a basic how to carve a pumpkin or you could do pumpkin pie recipes or you could do costume ideas or you could do the greatest villains, you know, of all time. So the, the editorial calendar, I would say, in media and publishing is probably the most fundamental of, um, you know, ingredients or, or approaches. But then the difference between an article and a video is with an article, you could kind of research every topic and through smoke and mirrors, pass off as an expert on something, you know, mm. literally being in your basement, you could kind of pretend that you're in the front lines of Syria, even if you're not. But with video, to some extent, what you see is what you get. So the other thing was, okay, what can we possibly record if we don't actually have access to any back catalog to kind of develop or commercialize. So we would get, for example, someone applying to work in marketing and I would be like, wait a minute here, you are trained as a magician. All right, all right, we'll get to the marketing part next week, but let's do a few magician tricks. And, you know, some of these guys were really good. You know, being in Montreal, there was no shortage of characters. You would find people like I used to joke that I've hired a friend to serve as videographer and record another friend who was a bartender and aspiring musician to do drink recipes and play riffs, you know, it was, a bit, it was a bit weird, but that was kind of like the, not the randomness of, of the internet, but I knew that every video could live on a, on a given page. You know, there was a guitar, uh, you know, legends.com site probably where, you know, our riffs, you know, how to play this or that song, how to play purple haze could live on. And then there was like a drinksrecipes.com where our, you know, how to make a martini could live on. And mm -hmm. so we kind of applied that and said, okay, well, if we produce video game content, we can maybe license that to IGN. And if we create beauty tips, maybe we could license that to, to Vogue or whoever mm. else. And then it kind of sort of branched off with expertise. And once you start producing content, you get, you know, you get a lot of people show up, but I mean, you do at heart have to be passionate about it. You know, you literally have to be able to see whether it's an object, a person, a thing, an event, uh, an, an anniversary, a calendar date, and be able to envision a few videos. And we did that for years and years, you know, and then we built up a catalog and by year four or five, we just felt like, well, that needs to evolve. So then we start to move into biographies and profiles. And we're always doing lists. And I love lists personally more than anything else. But I just didn't want to only do lists. Uh, probably should have focused just on lists from the get-go. But at some point, I was like, okay, you know, if, if I'm going to give mm -hmm. this a, a go and keep going for another five, six years, it just made sense to focus on the one thing where both we were very good at, there was an opening in the marketplace, and we felt we could be better than anybody else and build a business around. And, you know, we kind of got into that space at, at the right time. Let's... This is interesting, very interesting. And as you explain your journey, uh, after five years, we decided to get a little bit more focused, serious, whatever you want to call it. it kind of ties me next deck into the 10-year overnight success in Entrepreneur's Manifesto because you you have epitomized, based on the conversation, like a true farmer, plant a seed, plant a seed, plant a seed, strategically plant a seed, but plant a seed consistently again and again and again. So can you... Can we segue now to talk about that book? Because I, I one, as I want to know, I want to know what is ultimately the, the the driving lesson behind it, and two, how can our guests get a copy of it? Sure. Well, the guests can get a copy very easily. I mean, oh, uh, I love it. What a marketer. We're going to talk no, about no, that no, first. No, I meant no. I meant they could like uh, tweet, email me, and I'll gladly send them copies. Uh, okay, cool. I think, see, I'm a bad marketer. I didn't even think of uh, <laughs> sending you guys to Amazon or anything. I was like, gladly if they're interested. Okay. <laughs> they, 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 there's it's whatever. I, I didn't do. Yeah. We were fortunate enough that the company's core is doing rather well. I mean, this was more yes. of a 
kind of celebrating 10 years milestone. I just felt like the timing was right. Um, so we could do a giveaway, whatever you guys want afterwards, you tell me and we could take care of that. Now, okay. in terms of the, the lesson, I mean, look, obviously tenure and overnight success is kind of an oxymoron. It's the mm-hmm. juxtaposition. One of my favorite sayings is by a former U.S. president, Calvin Coolidge, that says, you know, there's a lot of, I'm paraphrasing, but he goes, there's a lot of intelligent people a lot of well-connected people, a lot of attractive people, but the number one uh, thing you need, trait you need is persistence. So that's really, I would say, if I had to distill it, it would be persistence. But I think in business, uh, I would sum it up as you definitely need to have some kind of vision as to what you want to do as an entrepreneur. You need to be ambitious, whether whether we like to admit that or not. You need to be uh, aiming for greater things. You need to be able to execute. It's great to have a big vision and, and be ambitious, but if you can't execute, I got news for you, you're, you're not gonna succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, two things that people really underestimate is luck and timing. I think Watch Mojo, uh, you know, we, we, you could argue we were ahead of the curve, you could argue we were too late, we were probably ahead of the curve uh, if you put it in the context of the commercialization of online video. Um, and then the, the sixth one is persistence, which is probably the most important one. Uh, but then over time, I added a seventh uh, variable, which is focus. I think you, mm. the, the problem with focus is if you focus early on on something, if you haven't, you know, I hate using buzzwords, but you, of late you've heard of like product market fit and all that. But mm-hmm. I mean, that does make sense. If you focus on the wrong thing at the wrong time, then you're probably going to just burn your resources and get, you know, go down the wrong path. But I think once you figure out, like in our case, that, hey, it does make sense probably to focus on top tens um, in, in, in the format and style that we do. So on pop culture and using clips and whatnot, uh, then it made sense for us to focus. I think at that point, by 2012, 13, you know, we had had various degrees of success, but we weren't in any way a successful business. We were like successful in, in, in terms of like a story of an entrepreneur who had an idea overcome the odds and all that stuff. But as a business, it would have been almost reckless for me not to focus on what we do now. So those are the seven things that I distill it. Now, really the book um, was written, uh, you know, I'd written two books before. uh, And this one, I got to the point where, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I could probably do a book on the industry. But then I said, well, that's going to be a bit weird because I'm not really this impartial person. As much as I strive to be impartial, I kind of have a dog in the race. And then I go, I may also offend a number of people in the industry, which isn't my point. And then one day I was on vacation earlier this year uh, or last year, I was in Greece and I was just sitting there and I kind of finally got this inspiration. And I just finished reading uh, William Randolph Hearst's biography. Um, and earlier that year, I'd, ri- I'd written, uh, I'd read Henry Luce's biography, who was the founder of Time. And it occurred to me that in media, you know, there's always some crazy, ambitious person who starts an enterprise. And then usually the, the business becomes more than about them and what they want. It, it evolves and content becomes its own story. But, but I go, okay, well, I kind of, whether I like it or not, I have to tell the story of like what drove me to start the business and the personal setbacks and the challenges I faced um, and all that. So it became more about a story of, frankly, digital media and online video, but told through the eyes of YouTube. And sorry, but told through the eyes of YouTube's channel, Watch Mojo, and then really like the X's and O's of how I started the company, who I recruited, how it worked, how it didn't work, et cetera, et cetera. So it became very much, you know, a memoir for whether I like to admit it or not, um, because it talks very much about, you know, what I did that was smart, what I did that was probably not very smart, mistakes I made along the way and, and whatnot. Well, let's. I'm not going to, you know, a typical entrepreneur, I don't have a lot of patience for waiting till the end of this conversation to know how I can get a book. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask people to um, send you an email. Is that how you want it to work to get the free book? Sure. I mean, it could be email. It could be something on social media. You know, tell okay. me. You know what was the the one time anything? I mean, I, I, I know was, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give it kudos back to you. You gotta go to watch Mojo and you gotta watch a video and you gotta write Ash and you say I love this video and here's why. But and you see, can also oh, say why you don't like it. You don't have okay, to that's suck fair. up. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's okay. But the reality is, is that you got to get something out of this too, and we want to get something out of this too. So you got to you got to go to watch Mojo and you got to watch a video and you got to tell them why it sucks or why it's epic. But that's what you got to do and uh who knows what he's going to use it for he's a master marketer and we'll see how that uh, how that works so uh when you when you started you said you were just married at the at the time when you started at watch mojo 
Yeah, correct. So I got yeah. married in uh, May of 2005. Right. And then by, you know, the, December of that year, I, I left and I resigned. And then we launched in 2006. And I actually convinced, which could have backfired, but I convinced my wife to join us. And I felt I felt like in the end, that definitely was like a smart move on my uh, on my Interesting. end. Interesting. Yeah. Well, why do you say that? Why? Why? Why is is she still uh, with your oh, organization? Yes. Oh, yeah. of course. And yeah. she's, I, look, the, the way I looked at it was, I kind of said, you know, first of all, whether I like it or not, as my wife, she would be involved and she would have an opinion. Mm. Of but then the danger is, let's say I come home and there's something that upset me, she may want to chime in, and I may I may react despite my best of intentions and say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, and then that's going <laughs> to yeah. spill over to more and more. So yeah. I just said that like the risk that I was taking to leave that job and to start was considerable. I did not feel like there was that much more of an incremental risk by her leaving her job and joining, but I felt like that would probably allow us to like kind of divide and conquer yes. uh, and, and then just kind of like, you know, have a fellow soldier in the trenches, but Love it. It, it worked, but I actually don't recommend that to anyone because look, we, we've after five, six years had racked up a million dollars of debt. Right. Uh, you know, I believed in, in my abilities and I believed in the marketplace and it wasn't like, let's say we were, you know, funding a magazine that was like in the print industry where the, the, the macro factors were all going negative. Um, here I knew that online video would eventually pick up. I, I knew that our, our model made sense because, you know, I would compare notes to my peers in the U.S. that were heavily funded by venture capitalists and they were burning through a lot of capital. And I just knew that, like, look, even though these guys are not my like sworn enemies, that we're comp- competitors and we kind of compare notes because there's a camaraderie but sure. i was like these guys would give up anything to have our business model yes. it's a war of attrition and we're going to outlast them and i just knew that like okay you know don't make any radical long-term decisions based on any short-term frustration and it, it panned out in the end so when you and your wife were going i'm sure i'm when i'm leaning towards a little bit about your off uh your, your off mojo what off watch mojo time um so now it's further complicated because in a, in, a, in, a, in a very respectful way and when i mean that your wife is involved so how do you how do you kind of disconnect or do you disconnect i mean it's not it's not uh, you know work and in, in life it's life so yeah, how no, do you, we do how do you, it's it's it does take a little bit of and we have two daughters now eight and six so absolutely we, we find like sometimes we'll go to lunch and we'll kind of like compare notes about like, okay, like the stuff she runs versus stuff like I'm working on. And we just say, okay, like, what do you think of this? So it does give us actually like a, a moment to reconnect. But even mm. during lunch, we'll talk about randomness. We'll talk about travel we're going to take. We talk about stuff we have to do with our kids. But the key is also at night to just kind of, yeah, like just relax, enjoy and talk about something else. And we find that those moments when we kind of slide and start to talk about work, our kids sometimes – think we're kind of like having an argument when we're not. We're just kind of like, so, so we've learned to very much balance. But yeah. that's the thing. I know it sounds weird. Like I come home and, and you know, my wife will help the kids with their homework and I'll get to mm-hmm. cook. And mm-hmm. it's kind of for me like, you know, a bit of therapy where you've had a crazy day and now all you care about is not burning the meat and making mm-hmm. sure the sauce has the right <laughs> consistency. Right. And I love it because bringing yeah. all these ingredients together and trying to follow a recipe but not really – is kind of like what entrepreneurship's about. You know, you put all these random things together that don't make sense. You you kind of got to bring them to a cohesive, harmonious end result. And to me, that's entrepreneurship. And it's so easy to overcook or undercook something. And you got to just kind of like manage the <laughs> clock. And, and it's this is a, a proof I've lost my mind where I'm building this parallel between cooking and, and entrepreneurship. But it's it's kind of like we have our own little you know ways to to tune out. Is, is this the first time you've made that analogy? Between- it's the first time I've explicitly <laughs> stated it verbally. But I've always, it. when I'm cooking, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty much, you know, a, a normal yeah. day. I'm like, this carrot, that's Joey. <laughs> this tape, you know, that's Dick. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Uh, well, I, I have a, I do speaking sometimes. And one of my speeches is about recipes of success for entrepreneurs. So I totally get that analogy. Totally, yeah. totally works out. Well, it's, it sounds to date. Well, you, you've had, you know, you have Ray, you 
you, um, you you started off this conversation with a trip to Monte Carlo and and uh, a connection with all these amazing journeys along your way and and it, you know everybody will look at you and say well Ash is pretty good life you're leading uh, it doesn't sound like you had any any obstacles at all so what big deal you owed a million dollars at one point you don't anymore so uh, well maybe you do but it's a little more under control and um, you know what are some of the obstacles that were real that were raw that we were left you <laughs> I, I are you ready for this are you ready <laughs> yeah, you, you go for it yeah okay i'll i'll stop talking it's about you not me watch seinfeld but that scene where george i love that Costanza, show when george costanza wants the apartment and like the other person survive a shipwreck and then george sits down and starts telling about the life of Costanza. so okay for one thing even though i left my old company under great terms yes. once they found out what i was doing they decided to sue me so oh, at nice. one point yeah that was very nice so at one point i was being sued by news corporation rupert murdoch god bless him is the guy who um you know puts uh what do you call it he he eavesdrops on dead people right i yes, mean like this yes. is a heavy duty it's like the darth vader of of you know the, the media <laughs> landscape so basically i was being sued by news corporation and and mr murdoch so that wasn't fun that mm. was one Two, yeah, I mean, look, so we basically ran out of funds. And when I mean ran out by money, I mean, basically, whatever money I had, whatever RSPs I had, whatever stocks I had, all of that, poof, went away by December of 2007, which was the end of our year two. So then from 2007 to 2012, we were basically just knee deep in credit lines, and we mortgaged our, our condo and, and, you know, juggling credit card balances. Yep. And so every payroll for about five years was like literally if the U.S. Postal Office went on strike and we would not get um, a given check by a client, I don't know, I would have had to like donate blood to make payroll maybe. So that was a lot <laughs> yeah, of that's if somebody wanted the blood. Yeah, exactly. And they were like, no, this is like buried in debt. We're not interested. Uh, so so that was like just five years of that. And then, you know, I mean, there's a lot more of like, okay, like I remember small, I mean, they're not small things, but like, I remember like my grandma passed away and like, I, you know, yeah. it's like, you're kind of like buried in debt and like a lot of like financial stuff that like you can't really help in the way that you want. And you kind of are like, okay, you've made up your mind like to be an entrepreneur you're like in year three of a war that you have no idea how long it's going to be. You're in the trenches and you kind of got to be positive because every day you show up to work and, you know, it's like everybody is counting on you. And at, at one point you have five or six employees and then you have a few more. Um, but it's it's actually good in a way because you have to stay positive and, and it, you know, people look at you. It's like when you're on a plane and there's turbulence, I always look at the flight attendant. If the flight attendant is like pretending like it's no big deal, then I'm like, great, giddy up, you know, let's just chill. But if the flight attendant starts to lose their marbles, you're like, oh my God, this plane is going to go down. So that, that was the, you know, I, I felt like... Despite Forget it if they're schizophrenic, it's just going exactly. down. <laughs> so that's that. I mean, I just felt like all these small things in the end. But even despite all that, I felt I was the luckiest guy on earth. When yes. I look back at that time, never, even when I was being sued, my reaction was, wow, I must be onto something because for the first few months, I thought I was Good going for nowhere. You. For these yeah. guys to come and like spend a couple hundred grand to sue us, I'm like, F yeah. You know, I'm Good like, for we're you, man. you know, yeah, and for so you. every little thing like that, I was like, look, I'm running my company and I have a great team and I feel like I see the light at the end of, I, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Who cares if each and every time there's an oncoming train? Eventually there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel and it'll be the way out. Mm-hmm. 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 There's a great song that I love that describes the uh, the journey of the entrepreneur. And I don't know, I'm sure you've heard it, uh, but I'm not sure if you've listened to it in the intent of the words that you've just described right there. It's called it's called The Climb by Miley Cyrus. And it just describes exactly what you're talking about. The, you know, the, the, you get to the top and there's the sunshine. There it is. And guess what? Then you then all of a sudden someone pushes you off the mountain, but you want to climb another one. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time where we need to take a very quick break. But we will be right back with more from our amazing guests. Stay tuned. Get paid faster. Create and send professional email invoices in minutes with PayPal. Join over 250,000 Canadian businesses using PayPal to accept payments. Get started today at www.paypal.ca forward slash small business. Canadian-born business One by Sun creates and sells a unique collection of printed yoga mats, tote bags, pouches, and prints 
From original hand-painted designs to customers across Canada, the United States, and Australia. When their products are out for delivery, it's important for their customers to have total visibility to ensure their packages are delivered on time, no matter where their customer is located. UPS Canada helps customers track their shipments 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, while co-owners Evangelina and Jamal can focus on growing their business. Join the UPS Small Business Program to get support on your unique supply chain needs. Plus, save 40% off shipping. Visit ups.com forward slash my business. Thank you to our sponsors. And we are back. So I got two uh, specific questions associated with uh, what you're doing with Watch Mojo. The first one is, uh, how do you make money? What's your revenue model? So our revenue model is pretty straightforward today. We basically deficit finance the videos and then we put them on YouTube and YouTube has, you know, the YouTube is part of Google, the world's largest ad supported media organization. And they mm-hmm. basically sell the ads and give us a revenue share. It's, mm-hmm. It works for us because we don't have like the overhead of a time incorporated. I think obviously if you're like a traditional media company, it becomes harder as a, as a model. Um, we are also starting very little to do sponsorships with brands. So, you right. know, we might have a brand that wants to just sponsor a video or they might want to be integrated. We're very selective because the YouTube audience and good for them is, is more like, you know, a bit paranoid, fickle, protective of all that stuff. Um, so, so basically like that's the main way. Um, back in the day we used to license our content where we were producing videos and other media companies needed to add videos to their site. So they would pay us a little bit of money. The problem with that is it wasn't really very lucrative. Um, so that wasn't what was going to allow us to go from like five employees to 45 employees. Right, 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 right. Okay. So how, and and I just want to make it, I'm sure I'm clear, right? You don't, you have other people bring the videos to you or are you all creating and developing yourself? You do it all yourself. Okay. Very, very cool. So if someone was going to get into the video world and I have a son that happens to have a following over half a million people on Instagram and Twitter doing videos, but not on YouTube, if someone's going to get into the YouTube world, what's, uh, what's kind of the one thing that they need to always be honest to? I think the first thing you have to realize is the internet has democratized production, publishing of videos, meaning... Anybody and everybody strives to be a storyteller, right? So everybody is going to be trying to do the same thing you are. You have to be unique. You have to be passionate Mm -hmm. about what you're doing. You have to be willing to do it for free. And I know that's like a tough thing for people to Mm -hmm. understand, but it's, it's, there's no shortage. Like if I go, I need to clean this, the street of garbage. Um, there's not a lineup of people who are going to rush and say, Ooh, 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 let me do this. Right. So I have to pay those people. There's no way around it. But if I said, I want to just, you know, to produce content, it's like, we'll get in line. There's all these people that want to kind of do the same thing. So, and that's like a tough thing for people to, to swallow because everybody thinks like they have this great story to tell and like, they're so unique. So the first thing is get in line, understand that demand and supply dynamics are actually not really in your favor. Um, the other thing is just, again, goes back to patience. Um, the technology business is such that if you come up with a better mousetrap, as much as there's clutter and it's not a slam dunk, you can absolutely, uh, come out of nowhere and, and, you know, do great things and build up an audience. However, the content business has proven fundamentally to be a very, very slow business. You know, you're brewing something over a very long time. So the main thing is just that goes back to that persistence and patience factor. Yeah. Very, very cool. Okay, so um, let's talk a little bit about where you're going in the future because you live in a rapidly changing environment by second, by minute, by hour, whatever you want to call it, it's freaking fast. And, you know, to be nimble, to be pivoting and so on is, I'm sure, part of a planning process that you go through. Can you give us a, a, as much of a, an inside look as you want to give us as to what the next two years looks like for uh, Watch Mojo? Wow. So indeed, the times are changing. I mean, you look at something like Snapchat, which came out of nowhere, is already Mm. viewed as like, is it a mature business? You know, it's like uh, the audience growth is stagnating and you're like, oh, my God, this is crazy. So it's changing very, very dramatically. Um, But that said, I think, though, that if you are in the content business and you have produced, if you have developed a method to produce good content uh, at scale that others find compelling, 
you do have a lot of opportunities uh, to adapt and adjust and grow and evolve. Uh, and that's the key in, in the content and media business. You can't just keep doing the same thing and hope that that kind of resonates and keeps growing. So for us, uh, when I look at the next few years, it's, it's you have to go deeper in what you do, but you also have to diversify and expand. So what does that mean? You have to maybe get into a bit shorter content, a bit longer content. Maybe if you have a format that works, you have to take that and amplify that. Um, you know, maybe whether you like it or not, you have to realize that there's brands that covet your audience and they can unlock, uh, much more premium content experiences and types that you alone may not be able to fund. So mm. the way I look at it is every move you make could be tangent or peripheral, but if you take like five leaps, then you might fall on your face and it may not work. But I think if you basically say, okay, I'm just going to basically, um, you know, move ever so slightly, then, then it, that could prove to be a recipe to succeed. You say you have 45 employees now? We have 40, well, a bit more, 46 or 47 full-time employees. And then we yes. have a uh, hundred plus freelancers. So uh, tell us about, uh, how you, how you, the, the environment by which you bring your team together and have them focused and uh, embracing the journey that they're on with uh, Watch Mojo, and it can be on a very superficial basis, or it can be, uh, or it can be, you know, absolutely. This is how we set up the desk and so on. I'm interested sure, sure. in that environment. Sure. So I think uh, culture isn't just the most important thing; it's almost the only thing. Um, and I think because you spend more time with your colleagues than you do with like your family, and I'm not talking mom and dad, I'm talking mm. my wife, mm. my kids. Mm. I think it's, it's really fundamental that you're careful in, in who you hire. So like, even if I'm hiring, let's say I'm not a technical person, let's say I'm not a videographer or editor. Um, I will still at some point tell my team, okay, like now we're down to the top two or three candidates and then I'll just kind of give you my recommendation based on culture and personality fit. So I'm not necessarily a big believer in always hiring fast and fire, sorry, hiring slow and firing fast because there's reality. Um, mm -hmm. You're dealing with people. Sometimes you don't want to fire fast because you want to take the time and say, well, maybe I misplaced somebody. Maybe there's another role right. for that. And right. as much as you definitely should hire slow, I mean, look, uh, the business moves fast. Sometimes you need to bring someone on. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of like you take your time and you get to know them. And I think depending on like the spillover of that job, you know, if you're looking for like a junior person, that's not really going to break much. If, if it's not the right fit, you could probably bring them on fairly quickly because it's not, you know, the, the risk is pretty low. But like, if I'm looking to bring on like a chief operating officer, like a VP in like a new development space, and that's going to impact a lot of people, trust me, you want to take as much time to get to know them and kind of get a sense of like the moral compass, how they view things, how they would, you know, how they think of a given, you know, situation, um, because then everything else falls into place with regards to compensation roles and responsibility. But then otherwise, I think, yeah, like one of the things I like is, uh, at our company is it's even as it becomes less and less flat, I think the good ideas come from anywhere. You know, you could have a great idea walk in from uh, an intern who's part-time. Um, and, and, you know, like I, my wife said this to me, we were reading, she was reading an article and she goes, this is a good quote. And it goes, you know, you don't want to hire people to then just overrule them and disagree with them. Mm -hmm. So like the key is like you bring people and you want to kind of like let them know that, you know, there's a culture where we throw out ideas and, you know, it, it's fine to take risks and all that, all that mumble jumble. But saying that is the easy part, you know, like just today, like uh, five of my colleagues did 10 things that I would probably, you know, want to you know, pull my hair out if I had any, but I'm like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. You're, you're grabbing for those words. You want to be a little bit more descriptive, don't you? No, yes, exactly. <laughs> but, but, but the bottom line really is you're like, well, you got to pick and choose your battles and you don't want to be the a-hole that's mad at everyone and, and, and everything. You want to create this culture where people just are like, they're not gripping the hockey stick so hard because then they're not going to score. And then the puck goes between their, their stick and their skate. And you're like, well, why were they so uncomfortable? Well, it's because you're creating this environment of craziness where nobody is willing to take a risk. And, you know, and what helped with us was I never had an outside board. I never had outside investors. So yes. if ever something went wrong, it was very easy for me to just say, look, it's on me. All good. No worries. Let's just discuss what happened and improve on it. Whereas I feel in a lot of organization, everybody is just looking over their shoulder. Everybody's looking to blame the next poor guy. And it's like one after another, you're pushing people off a bridge. And in the end, what happens is it just becomes like this kind of very highly political, politicized, um, you know, scared environment where then nothing good comes out of it because you're, you're just afraid to make any, anything resembling a mistake. 
I'm looking at your website right now, and I love how you've created the O, the J, and the O. Yes. And um, it's really cool, folks. Watchmojo.com. And I uh, I want to know what was the thought process behind that particular well first of all it's white and then it's blue i'm just curious as your branding exercise you went through to create that logo sure so the logo yeah of course once i i like the mojo moniker um watch okay so let's take a step back it's whatever let's say 1999 ish i'm watching austin powers i won't mm-hmm. lie and and mojo i realize is like a cool name yep. that that was like it was the name like virgin it was a name that i felt could be yeah. attached to a media company yeah. that wasn't being used the yeah. first name of the company was mojo supreme which is not a taco at taco bell but it was actually like a incubator name Right. And so Mojo Supreme was the first company. And that's when I when I was scribbling Mojo, I thought, well, that kind of OJO looks like a smiley face. Yeah. And it's kind of it's kind of like, yeah, to convey that, like, regardless, you keep a you know happy smiley face and the glass is half full. Um, your best deal is around the table. Your best day is tomorrow. You know, you'll always play better in your next game than you did yeah. today. So, yeah. so that was kind of the, the the thinking. And then when I met a designer, I literally was sitting, I don't know if it was a second cup or a Starbucks, that I don't remember, but it was on St. Catherine Street in, in Montreal. And the guy had kind of developed some of the website structures that I wanted. And then for the logo, I literally just like scribbled it on a napkin and gave it to him. And he goes, I like this. He goes, this, I, this, this could work. And then he kind of like actually, you know, brought it all together. And then the Watch Mojo, so what had happened is like we were kind of an incubator and I was dabbling in tech products uh, as well as content. And so for Watch Mojo, given that it was going to be a video property, it just made sense to go with Watch Mojo. Um, and it stuck. And then I like juxtaposition. So I was like, okay, if the watch is white, the mojo should be a bit darker. Mm. Um, blue is one of my favorite colors. But then the guy went with teal and I said, okay, it's, it's kind of, I like it. So it stuck. Where are you located at? Where's your head office? So our head office is in Montreal. We're in the Myland. We're right next to Ubisoft. And, you know, I've always said that we're going to be the next entertainment export out of Montreal after Just for Laughs, Cirque du Soleil, Vice Mm. Media. And I mean, I I would say, yeah, and I mean, I still think we're the unknown startup that nobody knows, but... You know, I mean, people do know us and that 13, 14 million subscribers, they, they are real human beings. Thank yes. You. So, yes. So it's good, you know, but but I, I think you got to stay lean and you got to stay hungry and you got to be, you know, you got to be paranoid. And that's how business is. And I think that's the only way you could succeed. What, Ash, in your opinion, I mean, this is a remarkable story. It really is. Uh, it has all the elements of a great adventure. Uh, love, romance, you know, uh, horror, everything <laughs> you can imagine along the way. And you, my friend, uh, are in a very great class of amazing entrepreneurs across our amazing country. Why don't we brag enough about this? Why you're why, too kind? Uh, I'll send you the wire for that afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am serious. I it annoys the heck out of me, the hell out of me that uh, you know when I hear things like and what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. And and we, you're you're a grid marketer. You're a good brand. And, uh, strategist, but Canadians need to be grasping onto these stories and really running with them. Why don't you think that that's happening to the level that it should be? In in my opinion, and maybe it's not yours, but but maybe it is. Um, no, I, I've I've been asked that question quite a bit. I think Canadians we take pride and want to win, and are willing to go in the corner and get bruised to come up with the puck when it comes to like winning at hockey. Right. That's, that's it. That's all. Like that. There's nothing else where winning is looked upon like as a great th- or the desire to win is seen as a good thing. Mm. So I think until Canada and Canadians and look, I'm a proud Canadian. I mean, I've been here since I was five. Uh, right. I've had the choice to leave at like intermittently throughout my life, and I've chosen to stay here. Um, but I think that's the main issue. There's like this kind of social um, psychological block where. It's like we're not, you know, we're not going to have that same bravado as you do in the in the U.S. Um, and that's fine. I don't think you need to. I think I've actually mm. I like the modest humility mm. way better. You know, like I, when I play sports, I'm like I'm going to win. I'm going to do what I can for this team yeah. to win. Yeah. But you're not going to be a sore loser or a sore winner. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think you need to be like you know bragging in that sense. But I just think that you know. 
you have to realize that winning is hard, not just when there's two teams going on and uh, one is a winner and a loser, but even in business where you can kind of come up with like the definition of what is success, it really takes a lot to just not lose, you know, but, but it's almost like we don't want to encourage people to do what it, I mean, and I think you have to remain honest. You have to play clean. You don't want to cheat. You don't want to steal. You don't want to, you don't want to do any of those things, but I just don't see Canada being a place where we, we encourage people to succeed in quotation marks at any cost, even if it's still ethical and legal. Whereas in the States you do in the States, you kind of, it's, it's, uh, that's, that's their, that's the DNA, you know? And same thing. Europe doesn't have that either. Europe is a Mm. lot closer to Canada than, than the U S. Um, so that's the thing. And I don't know if that will change. I don't know if it's a generational thing. My guess is most likely it won't really change. I think it's just the way we are and, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, not everybody is. And I think a big myth of late has been like that. Everybody could be an entrepreneur. No, I don't no. think. Everybody could no, be an entrepreneur. no, no. Um, and, and we have to stop pretending so, because then that creates this weird dynamic where um, people think that they're like failures just because, you know, maybe they'd be a great lieutenant. Maybe they would be great doing something else. Mm. Um, again, these are not necessarily politically correct things to say, but I mean, you know, having met enough entrepreneurs, uh, I would say it's, it's not that off. Yeah. I, I love your answer, uh, because you said that's who we are and that's fine. And high five to you, my friend, because that's exactly right. And when, as you're saying that I'm going, yeah, I am okay with that. I mean, I'm proud. I like to win. Yeah. There's a certain sense of smiles that come across my face when I get a little recognition here and there, but I don't need to be on top of the, the pedestal looking for that as part of my DNA. Matter of fact, it makes, makes me feel uncomfortable. It doesn't make me less of an entrepreneur, but it makes me feel uncomfortable because I'm a team player. And uh, I think you're bang on in that where one part I would disagree with you on. And I don't know if it's disagreeing, but I think it has an element of, it still needs more of a little bit of a bravado is in the school systems. We need to bring more of these stories like you're doing into the school system so that we have something that the kids can ultimately work towards in, uh, in, in achieving their own levels of success. So, um, no, uh, I agree with you. I think yeah. it does start, it, it does start even before schools. Like it starts, what I mean before schools is like, it starts in, look, let me give you an analogy. So I play soccer, uh, amateur soccer a few times a week. There okay. is a sign at one of the gyms that says, if you dunk the ball, you will be subject to a $300 fine. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what on earth? What kind of like negative conditioning? What kind of punishment are you instilling? You should be able to dunk. Dunk and I will sign you to a, I will give you a scholarship. And I'm sitting there going, just shaking my head. And I go, and, it. you know, and, and it's just only in Canada. Like, what is that? How does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. You know. <laughs> there you go. That's, you've got me. Re- I'm, I got one of these recliner chairs and it's <laughs> lucky it was like, I would have went over. Yeah, that is so true. If, if you dump the ball, we're going to fine you. Yeah, we're going to fine you. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Ash, I, you know, I, I, uh, I'm looking at this monitor mind this I, I was like oh my god we've been talking for like 18 hours it's been a wonderful conversation my friend i i can't thank you enough for for giving me your time today um i am gonna i i because I, I want the answer to this i'm gonna give you a little sure. more question uh your, your children boy girl boy boy girl, uh, girl? no girl and girl roxy okay. eight and maya six and i so, love them and they are just the perfect balance to my crazy days otherwise so and you know per- the beautiful thing is they yeah. don't care I, yeah. I, you know, I could say, look, I was at this event and, you know, Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps were there and they're yeah. like, okay, go get me a bowl of fruit. You know, and that's, yeah, that's the right. way it should be. You can never have a big head when you have two daughters. They're just going to be like, yeah, okay, that's impressive. I want my snack like that. Go. Yeah, they want to see you do funny dances. That's all they want that's to see it. you do. So, uh, well, they're lucky to have a dad like you. We're lucky to have you in Canada. Uh, I can't wait to continue to uh, watch your journey. Thank you so, so much for your time, sir. Thank you. Too kind. Take care. This is Ash, by the way, folks, at WatchMojo.com. He's uh, been a true epic guest. So until next time, keep on happening, everybody. 
Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to more awesome entrepreneur content? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats and hashtag startup school, which you can catch every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. This is Eli Fati, CEO of MinerBridge AI, and you are listening to the Startup Canada podcast with Rivers Corbett. Because it sounds like just a, a tech play. Is there is there something that uh, can relate to all startups? Uh, you know, I... Uh, one of I over Christmas I met with my nephew. So the answer is is yes. So let me tell you an example. Uh, apparently, and he has a, a five-year-old, and apparently he said, you know what the hardest toy is, not having any more a five-year-old. I said, no, I don't. And he said, what the, the, the most uh, sought-after toy for this Christmas for 2016 was uh, a toy. It's like an egg that you uh, mm-hmm. hold to your chest. And after about 45 minutes, you it hatches uh, some <laughs> kind of, uh, I don't know, a doll of some sort. Yep. And, and then it teaches you, you basically they learn activities, right? So there is an example where a simple mm-hmm. AI, machine learning, is going, this is in the toy industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my other friend was telling me he has an eight-year-old and 10-year-old. And he said, do you know Hot Wheel? I said, yeah, I know Hot Wheel. And he said, well, you should see the new Hot Wheel. And, and it is a track that, again, with a simple algorithm, uh, machine learning, it can tell where the cars are. The track is, is not uh, on a single uh, tr- track, but rather all circular in one plane. Wow. And b- utilizing AI and machine learning, it knows where the car is and so on. So there is an example in the toy industry and so on. So machine learning and artificial intelligence can uh, be everywhere. And you know it with Siri. You know that you look on your phone uh, when it, it learns from what you do. If, if every morning when you turn on your phone and you look at it, it and you get into the car, uh, it tells me it's going to take you 22 minutes to get to your office. right? Mm-hmm. So it's assumed right away, things like mm-hmm. that. So yes... You, you should embrace this kind to a lot of functions. And, and the other aspect that is important because the VC community is really attacking any industry that is uh, you can automate with a, with a computer. And you see that at McDonald's for the ordering, uh, mm-hmm. and you see that uh, what how they're investing to, to make the legal profession more efficient, the accounting profession more efficient. Basically, every uh, profession that can, the function can be automated is under attack, and you'll find one company that is going to go after that, utilizing artificial intelligence to try to improve what you're doing.